Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Digital Coach, where each week I meet some of the fitness industry's biggest pioneers and thought leaders on how we can start to embrace digital and also just to see how they're doing through this coronavirus. Today I'm joined by the founder of Authentic Health Coach and uh, Seven Movements. He's also the head of programming for Viper Pro and the Institute of Motion IOM. It's John Sinclair. I'm delighted and I really enjoyed chatting to him about how he's not only built uh, the business from moving from Canada to Florida, but also how he's now pivoted to the digital world. So let's dive straight in. So guys, welcome to another episode of Digital Coach. Today I am joined by the awesome and, uh, well, basically knowledgeable uh, John Sinclair. Uh, hi John, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, bud? Good, good, good. It's been a while, right? Uh, it has been a while. When was the last time we spoke? It's got to be a few years, I think. For sure, yeah. Probably a few years. And it's been probably like three or four since we last had a whiskey together. <laughs> yeah. The weird thing is, for those of you that are just listening to this now, is um, met John uh, 2012, I believe, through the Institute of Motion, where he is the programming director for IOM and also Viper Pro. Um, but also we did kind of one of these, I don't know if you remember, it's got to be back in 2000, maybe 14 around your business model of kind of group training and how you kind of, uh, you know, invented, I guess, we'd not seen it before here, the kind of element of where you can train a lot more people at the same time. Um, so I'm, I'm hugely yeah, excited to kind of hear what you've been, been doing. So how's it going anyway, with regards to, um, the current crisis? Yeah, it's been definitely different i moved since we last spoke um i had already moved down to florida but since we had done the group coaching thing i was living in edmonton alberta canada i now live in sunrise florida usa and uh things are pretty different down here than back home in canada number one is obviously the population density so the United States has obviously been hit hard harder than uh, canada has been mm -hmm. um but a lot of the same i would venture to say a lot of the same um, precautions are being taken all around North America. Yeah. Um, we had to close down our gym. So I have a gym called Hive Performance. And yeah. we had to close it down in Davie, just like everybody else did. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to shift all my business to uh, primarily either virtual coaching and or going to a park and or going to my garage. And so I have yeah. a garage gym. I'm sitting in my garage right now, but I have a garage gym here where I've taken about 50% of my clientele are coming to the garage still. And then the other 50% are doing it virtually. So those folks that wanted to take bigger precautions and wanted to stay yeah. at home and stuff. So um, the groups that I do have with me today that come into my garage, um, they're the same folks that I've been training forever. And we make sure that we, that they stay quarantined and, they stay within their little groups that we're not out transmitting this virus if yeah. we don't know where one person's going and stuff <laughs> like that. So I have had a few referrals, but um, it's been going good. In fact, April of this, so this past April was my busiest month since January of 2019. Wow. So you've actually seen growth uh, through this time period, which is really kind of refreshing, I guess, because the majority of trainers that we've um, seen and spoke to are obviously really struggling. Um, camera's just frozen. I hope that's, are you still on the line? 
Hey, John. Oh, bit of a technical error. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Um, so we've changed locations. That doesn't matter. That's coronavirus, right? Extremely long hair, hats, and internet. <laughs> Are you uh, all set there? <clears throat> I got you now. Cool, cool. No problem. Um, so I think you were mentioning about Hive and obviously going into your 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 garage. Um, can you just tell us a bit more about kind of what you do at Hive anyway? Because I know that obviously I've seen some of the stuff, some of the awesome movement stuff and the tennis players, et cetera, just to give you give the guys listening to this a bit of background. Yeah, so um, my business partner, Andy Hive, who's from Ireland, um, we basically built Hive Performance and Wellness or uh, and Health Coaching um, really about trying to create a cooperative for coaches to be able to come in and run their businesses out of it. Well, it just so happened that I think the way we designed the facility and uh, our network down here in South Florida, that it became kind of a refuge for not only coaches that wanted to build their business, but also for helping develop uh, amateur and professional athletes. And so we yeah. spend a lot of time, me primarily um, as a coach there, I spend a lot of time doing uh, return to sport for athletes that have been injured, as well as um, progressing them and helping them through their developmental path through sport. And so we look at um, taking them through um, a more, I would like to say, like more of a path of engineering and engineering their performance over time based on obviously biology and psychology and biomechanics and things like that. Yeah. But it's really driven about around trying to create a space at the hive so that coaches can be successful with their clientele whatever that might be mm -hmm. and then also trying to create a uh, a community where we have lots of young athletes coming in and kind of taking their sport to the next level by just supporting their developmental process okay and so <clears throat> i guess um you know we, we, it would be great to, to chat about the digital element um because that's mm -hmm. where we're kind of you know, obviously feeling that some of the trainers are really struggling. So how has your kind of business now um, transitioned to, to offering it online? Were you already doing it or have you kind of pivoted recently? Yeah, I wasn't doing any of it at all. And now I'm doing about 50% of my clientele are all on, on digital. And so what was really interesting about it was um, the idea of saying to some athletes, hey, you're going to continue your program we're just going to do it over the screen. And they're like, okay. And yeah. so it, it wasn't a hard sell. It wasn't me talking. In fact, I had uh, one conversation with a parent who was like, you know what? I just don't think the kids can train anymore. I don't think they should come and see you during this time. I said, fair enough. How about I give you some of my equipment that I have in the garage? We set up your garage so that you have your own garage gym. And then I'll we'll stream and we'll meet over the computer and I'll give mm -hmm. them the program. We'll do the demonstrations and they'll follow the program. He goes, that sounds awesome. Yeah, let's do that. So the kids <laughs> came over and grabbed some excess uh, equipment that I had laying around, you know, bands and barbells and stuff like that loaded up their truck, told them how to set it all up. And then I just set up my tripod with my phone on it. I use Apple TV and stream mm -hmm. from my phone to a bigger screen in, in the garage, just so I can see them a little bit bigger. And it's no different. Like being on a two-dimensional screen is not any different than three-dimensional. The only thing is if you need to do a demonstration, you just turn at a 45-degree angle so they can see kind of the whole bits of it. 
and away you go. And so the coaching environment is, while you're not right there with them, for me, I'm a coach that doesn't do a lot of hands-on. I don't say Mm. a lot. I set up the environment. Here's the drill. Here's your starting position. Here's how it's going to look like at the end. You're going to do it for 30 seconds. Are you ready? Yep. Go. Yeah, that's interesting. And then I turn around after that and I said, okay, here's one thing I need you to focus on for this, for this next set. Ready? Go. Boom. And that's it. And I just kick back and watch. And so it's been kind of rewarding because it's, it's shifted our thought process of what needs to happen in a personal training or coaching setting, right? Where I've got to be there with you and I got to make sure that you're safe. And I mean, if you set up, if you set your drill up so that they're going to be safe and they have good rhythm and timing in their movements and you're teaching them about how to not burst their bubble and stay within a bubble that maintains that rhythm and timing. I mean, we don't necessarily need to be right beside them all the time. And I think more coaches are going to start to understand that and feel confident in delivering that experience. And I think that's going to be a massive kick to the fitness industry. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I guess from, you know, I'm speaking to quite a lot of trainers this last four weeks. Some of them are in the kind of freeze element. They just, they, you know, they just don't know where to start. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like obviously you just straight away looked at solving a problem you know the the athlete didn't have much equipment you provided that equipment which is really kind of eye-opening and and what I'm finding with trainers at the moment is obviously they're so used to going to a facility and seeing a squat rack a lat pull down and just thinking oh I'm going to use those rather than actually thinking about what are they passionate about what does the client need that's where there seems to be a bit of a divide Um, and then the second point that most trainers are kind of struggling with is they just are not, they're just not seeing it. it. It's really strange. You know, they kind of just, no, I don't, I don't understand how you're training someone then through the screen. And, but it's so refreshing to hear kind of how you've just said that it's pretty much the same, just your coaching cues are maybe slightly different. Um, did you have any backlash from clients? No, I had, uh, I had one client was like, I don't know if that'll work. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Here's what I'll do. I'll send you your program, do the program all of that. If you have any questions, just contact me, you know? And yeah. so I had like a couple clients that were like, yeah, I don't know if that environment's really right for me. No problem. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but what I would say to, to the coaches that are kind of freezing and the trainers that aren't quite sure what to do. The first thing that I try to tell other coaches is that people aren't hiring you for exercise. They're not hiring you to change their body. They're hiring you because that on the onset may look that way, but they're staying with you because this is a relationship business. You have a relationship with them and coaching, the coaching experience is about a relationship. The transaction that happens is the communication through movement and that's it. And so movement itself is really the conduit of where that communication relationship transaction takes place. So when we're looking at coaching somebody through that, really it doesn't matter what the equipment is right it matters that you still maintain the same things that you have in a coaching environment which is you know how was your day today what'd you do at school what'd you learn tell me one thing that you learned at school today okay let's do that squat again you know what i mean and so when we have that transaction and that experience where people just think that it's oh yeah it's just like john i'm over at the hive training yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. The only difference yep. is it's happening through a different medium. 
And the second thing I would say to, um, in terms of getting folks thinking a little bit about more of the relationship side of things is just think of the simplest things that you would do from a movement perspective that you could trans that you could feel that you could transition through this medium yeah and have fun with it it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect right yeah. so if you if you set it up where hey we're going to teach a squat and you turn around and you have your butt face in the camera right have fun with it and then turn yeah. around and go oh i'm sorry i my butt was in your face Right? Yeah. <laughs> and if you keep it light and enjoyable and it just becomes something that feels authentic, then you're going to have success with it. But as soon as you, as soon as you feel like you've got the blinders on and you have to feel confined by the professional standards that fitness gyms expected us to behave under, you're going to really struggle with it. Yep. So the best part is just be yourself, have fun with it, and just try to create an environment that they're going to love which means yep. find some movements that they really truly love doing and build your programming around that. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, one of the, the trainers that uh, works at number one fitness, you know, yesterday was actually saying, you know, I'm not sure I want to go back. I've become a professional at doing, you know, virtual training. And I just thought, you know what? It's, it's interesting just to see their progressions um, of how they've changed coaching. Some of our clients um, have got better results through this pandemic than they did the last two years you know and I think amazing like you said the movement side of things is where I guess some of the trainers need to really focus on you know your toolbox if your toolbox is just exercises you're soon going to run out because you're not going to have that lap pull down but if you go back to the client's goals of I want to be stronger at pulling and pushing what can we do um and that's where maybe the divide is. But I want to dive into, you know, you mentioned that this is, the, or April was one of the biggest months since 2019. Tell us how, what is the business model, you know, as much as you'd like to share, obviously, but you yeah, know, how no, have you thought about that? Well, because most of my clientele are athletes, I'm down here in South Florida and all these athletes, they participate in one sport. So if you're a baseball player, you only play baseball. Yeah. If you're a tennis player, you only play tennis. Well, in South mm. Florida, you can do that 365 days a year. In fact, yeah. there's three baseball seasons. Like when I was growing up, there was one and it was four months long because that's yeah. all you could play in the spring. And then it snowed. And then we moved on to hockey in Canada, right? Yeah. And so it's crazy down here that there's so many different seasons that they play year round. So number one, the first thing that helped because that was my clientele was no more sport seasons. So they're not playing their sport. So they're available to train school mm -hmm. shut down. They're not ha hampered by having to go to school. So now they have the opportunity to break away from their school, do a training session and then go back to school. So yeah. availability was much higher because I'm constantly juggling schedules between their practices, their games, their, um, training maybe with a sports skill coach, right? Like a, I've got a catching a baseball catcher session I have to do. So therefore I can't come train with you today, John. So I just had a massive inventory of clientele that were like, I got to keep going. So that was yeah. the number one thing was just the availability of, of the athletes. Yeah. Um, but then as a result of it, I actually started getting a lot of referrals because the people were like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like that I could do this. I was like, yeah, why don't you do it once a week? And so do you have a friend do it with a friend or do it with your husband? 
and then let's get going. So I just kept asking people for referrals. Who do you know that would like this kind of medium? It's kind of cool. You're not going to your gym anyways. You don't need any equipment. We'll do body weight stuff. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sounds fun. So it's, it's been really good that way. And that, that I've been getting the, this many referrals and then kids that are just like, yeah, that was awesome. That, that's pretty fun. I'm going to get my brothers to join in, you know? Yeah. And then, so now I've, now I've, instead of training one person at a time, I'm training two or three people at a time, all of the same family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And then do you, you know, are you creating packages for them? Are you selling like blocks of sessions? How does that kind of relate to the virtual world? Yeah. So I never discounted anything. Yeah. So I didn't say to them, oh, well, it's virtual and you're not coming to the gym. So it's going to be this much. I didn't get dumber because of COVID. So yeah. my, my value is exactly the same. Me coaching you here versus coaching on the floor. So when some, I had one parent say, well, because it's virtual, is it cheaper? I said, no, but if you want him to do two sessions a week instead of one session a week for the same price, we go half an hour at a time. He's like, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So now I'm starting to run some half an hour sessions, which are half the cost of it, of what my yeah. one hour is. So it didn't change my value of time. Right. Yeah. And then I'm like, but we're going to get after it. So here's your warm up. You have to do that prior to me getting on the call with you. And then we take you through that. And then you're going to do your recovery on your own. So that half yeah. an hour is going to be the bulk of our working unit and what our goal is for that day. So we're only yeah. going to focus on one goal that day and then we're going to go after it. Yeah. So if it's a power day, we might do all body weight plyometrics that day. Or yeah. if it's uh, strength day, grab your dad's dumbbells because we're doing yeah. some strength stuff with dumbbells that day, you know, and we're going to do it for a 30 minute block. So, yeah. yeah. And how have they been? Have they been successful in the 30 minutes? Yeah, actually really successful. And I'm enjoying it too, because you have a lot more energy. Like sometimes yeah. dragging it out over an hour can get tiresome if you're doing them back to back to back. But just yeah. having that change in client every 30 minutes has been working out really well. That's interesting. Yeah, the average session on Remote Coach um, is 34 minutes. So okay. I, definitely, I definitely see in the data, it obviously has been showing that there is an option to do 30-minute workouts. You know, that's another thing. Some of the trainers seem to be thinking, oh, I don't want to be behind my phone for an hour. And I'm like, you don't need to, you know, and who said it needs yeah. to be a phone, you know, just right. start kind of adapting. So, okay. So you, or you mentioned you, you haven't discounted, but do the majority of your clients anyway pay you in like blocks of 10 sessions or is it like I pay you per month and every month um, or do you have a mix? Yeah, I have a mix. I've got some that will pay session at a time. Those people aren't usually coming as frequently. But the yeah. ones, the clients that are coming more frequently, they'll buy a certain number of sessions or um, total number, uh, total dollar value. And then I just deduct from their package. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Okay, cool. And um, the main, obviously, marketing you then said was asking for referrals, which, you know, again, I think some of the trainers really shy away from. Um, mm -hmm. But with regards to how does your working day look like then at the moment and how do you kind of get started do you do you start at a certain time with the clients and you mentioned obviously some of them do warm-ups beforehand what about a group setting is it groups are during the day and one-to-ones in the mornings or anything like that I just have always worked in the 25 years of doing this I've always just worked by appointment 
So yeah. I just know when I'm going to train. And then while I'm trying to schedule them, I'll give them usually an option of one or two times so that I can mm -hmm. consolidate my time a little bit. That way yeah. I'm not, you know, it's over 90 degrees here. So being in a garage without air conditioning for 90 degrees sometimes gets exhausting. It feels like yeah. four sessions <laughs> is like eight or 10, you know? And yeah. so I try to consolidate, consolidate them into a kind of a little block so that I can do my consulting for seven movements and IOM and Viper Pro at one part of the day or do some studying at one part of the day. And then the other part is doing some coaching. And so yeah. I just kind of try to balance it out from day to day, but I'm, I'm typically doing anywhere from four to five sessions a day. Okay. Coaching. Yeah. And how do you foresee that kind of changing as the gyms kind of reopen now? Um, I'm not sure what it's like, obviously in the States, especially, you know, Florida, but here in the UK, we, you know, the gyms will start to be, we hope opening up from the middle of July. Um, but we have already been told that, you know, the, the, um, foreseeable future will have still, you know, dis uh, social distancing. Um, so for instance, our PT studios will have a certain amount of trainers in at any one time, you know, mainstream gyms won't be able to have treadmill, 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 or spin bike, spin bike. You know, what do you kind of see the landscape of fitness, you know, even in your area looking like in the future? Yeah, I, I think they're going to get hit pretty hard. The bigger yeah. clubs are going to get hit really hard. I, I've been saying this actually before COVID-19. I've been saying that the fitness industry needs to change their model of how they're, how they're operating because they're trying to operate on the same mm -hmm. premise that's happened forever, which is on a membership-based model. And um, now that people are – the people that love exercise are the people that go to the gym. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People that don't like to exercise don't go to the gym because there's no product there available to them that makes them feel comfortable and safe and makes them feel successful. Yeah. So here's the problem. All the programming, and because I spend most of my time in the programming world, all the programming for health and fitness is driven and geared towards those folks that already love exercise. Yeah. Here's the thing. You've eliminated their environment to go get exercise. They still love exercise. They're going to do it on their own. Yeah. Right. And so That's what's going to really happen cool. is they're going to see a massive drop in membership because they're like, I went out and got some dumbbells. I can train from home now. Right. Yeah. I don't really necessarily need that. Plus the coach that I have a relationship with at that gym is coaching me from home. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's going to be a massive destructive environment for the fitness industry. Cause now what you've done is, you've now removed some of your equipment from there. So the ones yeah. that are also really, like I went to a health club where they're like, no, that's my treadmill. Like, that's the one I want to use, right? And I was like, well, they're all the same. No, but this is the one I use, right? So you've got the fanatical people that'll go back and if their equipment isn't there, right? They're going to leave and they're going to go yeah. find a new place. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a big challenge to the fitness industry. Um, they're going to have to rethink how they drive revenue. And I mm. think you're going to see the fitness industry move towards more of a service model. Yeah. You know, where, you know, you're, it's a pay, pay to play kind of game. It's a drop in yeah. game, right? You're going to yeah. get this much access for this much money. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to happen for you and I that have, um, personal training studios, Mm. I think will be a little bit different because we were, yeah. we're all race service based to begin with. At least we are. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, and I think that will continue to keep driving people to those areas. And I, yeah. it's also going to create opportunity for us to develop coaches that want to be in their, in their own right. environment. And yeah. so I think there hasn't been much loyalty between big fitness club chains and their clientele. I know yeah. of only one really big um, fitness chain down here in the U S that actually continued to pay a lot of their workers yeah. and uh, where everyone else is just thinking bankruptcy. Yeah. Crazy. I think 25% is the number I saw la uh, last with regards to how much won't be coming back of the gym chains. Um, I think it all started out to be kind of not taken too seriously anyway, here in the UK, you know, and now obviously it's, it's a case of, Oh shit, this is, this could be going on for another 18 months while we get a vaccine or whatever, you know, we need to still be kind of safe. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but I think diving back into what trainers could be doing, like you mentioned, you know, if you don't have that gym that you can go to, to work out with and get your 50, 40, 30 sessions a week, what are you going to do? You know, and like you've mentioned, is there a way that you can facilitate the clients that you had anyway, training at home? You know, if you were seeing a client four times per week in the gym, maybe you'll have to only see them twice a week or once a week in the gym and then the rest at home. Um, what about with regards to programming? Cause I know that it's a big, a big thing that, you know, a lot of trainers still don't get. And obviously you, you've been doing it for many, many years. Is there any kind of, um tips and tricks that you can kind of give to some of the guys that are even just starting out virtually yeah the first thing i would say is try not to get your clients to do your workout right so instagram is being flooded with people that are just putting up random workouts and saying hey follow my workout while that can be beneficial it, it's not going to have any long-term success because most people yeah. aren't going to follow what you're doing here's yeah. here's the common denominator most people aren't like us weirdos yeah. like us people in the fitness industry and in the coaching industry we're weird we love yeah. to work out most people yeah. don't like doing it they do it because yeah. they have to and they know they need to so yeah. really programming needs to be about customizing that experience for your clientele now if yeah. you have a whole bunch of athletes that are your clientele like mine you could probably get away with it but i'm guessing for most people that are starting out you need to start slower. High intensity interval training, high intensity mm -hmm. steady state training is not sustainable mm -hmm. for any human on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you'll yeah. see these people are gonna start to burn out. High, high end athletes, they burn out all the time. World class yeah. athletes and people that do steady state activity and, and ultra endurance stuff, they have a low mortality rate. Yeah. So the programming that the fitness industry has been under for so long and it has, created so much popularity in high intensity interval training and high intensity steady state training. Now I should say those are two separate things, yep. but high intensity interval gets lumped in with high intensity steady state like Tabata. Yep. Tabata is yep. not interval training. Yeah. High intensity steady state training. So when you're trying to program, program for the client and not for what looks sexy and not for what looks hard. Because what's happening is now you will actually distinguish yourself from the path of all the other people that are trying to do that. Yeah. And you need to start customizing programming experiences that are driven around health and not fitness. I think that's the main thing, isn't it? The health element, you know, um, and like you mentioned, two things there, health and fun. You know, 
a lot of the people that are stuck at home, you know, they're just, that session that they may be having with you, the trainer, is, is their highlight of the day. So making it fun um, and not just doing something that you're interested in at that moment is going to be crucial. Um, yeah. With regards to though, obviously, you know, you've, you've run a successful business for, you know, God knows how many years. For those guys that are really struggling to even understand how to maybe do some sort of marketing, um, you know, do you foresee that as you now go into having the studio back open and also having um, the uh, online back um, is there a certain marketing element you'll be looking at? Um, it's funny that you say that because since we opened up the hive, we haven't done a single day of marketing in like four and a half years. Um, yeah. We're it's going to make that 100% referral base and based on yeah. the coaches bringing yeah. folks in, right? And so, um, and I, for me, for my personal business, when I moved down here to Florida, I, I didn't have a single client. I worked mm. for a health club. Um, a big uh, tennis club actually and then when I quit that I had to figure out how I was gonna be able to sustain any sort of business and I just started massaging some uh, referral networks and what I mean by yeah. massaging like hey who do you know that <laughs> and start <Yeah. laughs> start working that relationship bit right yeah. and um, and so really in my entire years of coaching I've never like actively gone out and done any marketing mm. um, maybe two months ago was the first time I ever put my own website together. Yeah. And that was just, as a way to get people that are referring others to go to a, a destination to actually learn about me because yeah. it's too hard for me to explain to my clients what I do. Yeah. So the website and landing page was really important, but in terms of marketing, where we think we're going to go is we're going to change our model a little bit and we're going to try to try to direct more programs as opposed yeah. to directing um membership gotcha. and so while we'll have programs that have certain memberships tied to it or certain um service fees are tied to it that's yeah. how we're going to start marketing and, and having a marketing person help help drive that and mm -hmm. um i think that's the way that we're going to try to approach it as opposed to just because we'll be one gym amongst a whole bunch of gyms that are yeah. going to be opening up at the same time but try to differentiate your service uh, the goal is really going to be about how do we capture capture people that are interested in wanting to return to a gym when perhaps they may not be wanting to return to a gym. So is there yeah. going to be some sort of, all right, well, you're going to come in here for one group class and then our coaches are going to do some online coaching for you and digital coaching as well. And so yeah. that might be where we have to go because the as you have to do with everything, the market's going to dictate what your service is going to be. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it just opens, I think it's an opportunity. I think it's really exciting. I think it's accelerated what was kind of coming anyway. Um, um, and so, you know, we're seeing it at Number One Fitness. We're seeing that we've got clients that moved to India. This was this week, moved to India. Hey guys, seeing you've been doing online classes. Can I join in? Yeah. You know, That's great awesome. to hear from you. Yeah. Right? So suddenly you've got a client base that is that has no geographical barriers. You know, if you right. want to train your family members that you've not lived with for, for 10 years, you can do it. And I think that's where the trainers um, are kind of struggling, thinking, God, that client goes to my gym. How am I going to, you know, and, and even just as simple yeah. as asking, like you said, that referral um, side of things. Um, yeah. Cool. So with regards to kind of programming as well, obviously, you, you know, you're doing 
or have been for many years doing programming for, for IOM and Viper Pro. Do you want to kind of just tell us a bit more about that as well? Because that will kind of give the trainers a bit more background and also they can obviously head over to, to see more about that as well. Yeah, so I've been working as the director of programming for IOM since its inception, kind of. I mean, we um, at the Institute of Motion, we've been developing curriculum and content and education for um, personal trainers since, I believe, 2010 or 2011. Mm -hmm. And over the co course of the years, um, we would host mentorships and we would host um, education uh, workshops where people would come in and and learn about our kind of philosophy of how we develop programming and mm -hmm. and help people understand the true function of the human body. Yeah. Uh, what that evolved into though, um, and I'm going to fast forward quite a, quite a ways over is that we're now shifted into the health business. Yeah. So IOM is really focused on, on helping create health coaches. And so we developed a whole curriculum on how to be a health coach. Yeah. So on, you can get it right on your phone. Um, our app is called platform by the Institute of motion or platform by IOM. Yeah. And you can now become a certified health coach through us. We created 198 different lessons on how to become Amazing. a health coach. We basically wrote a textbook on health coaching and put it in a digital environment so that you could watch yeah. it from your phone. And so there are yeah. five minute um, little lessons that you can start to learn. And after every time you're done a course, you're given a certificate of completion for that particular yep. course. Um, so that's one thing that we did. And now we've even moved into um, informing governments on how to create a preventative health model. So we're working with the government of Singapore right now on changing their um, next 50 years of health through sport and through physical activity. And so that of course has been a massive behavioral change model that we've had to introduce into health coaching because as we know psychology governs everything that we do yeah. so we had to really tap in all our strategies from changing infrastructure to changing um, accessibility uh, collaboration with the uh, ministry of health with physicians and doctors and then creating uh, an ecosystem of health and yeah. it's kind of being driven through sport so that's been a really cool project. We're about, mm, I think we're on our third year of doing that yeah. right now. And so that Amazing. continues, which is pretty cool. And that's where most of our uh, energy and focus has been, is delivering that um, for folks. And, and is then, there any uh, data attached on that? Can I just jump on the Singapore, for yeah. example, stuff? You know, because, um, I mean, the, in my head, there's just so many things, synergies with what's going on now. You know, trainers that are just used to, doing uh, oh I've frozen again <laughs> for trainers that uh, are just used to giving a workout making their clients sweaty you know to the other end of the spectrum talking about behavior change you know getting that client in a healthier mindset healthier body you know there's so many synergies with what trainers should be looking at I hope um, during this time but with regards to kind of digital and data was there any um, anything said or is there anything said with regards to kind of what you've learned in Singapore, you know, with regards to wearable technology or anything like that? Yeah, we started finding out that um, over time, people were more apt to want to use uh, tr fitness trackers and things like that to help guide them. And then uh, I started even experimenting with using MyZone. And what is interesting from a behavioral standpoint is 
um, the goals that you set for yourselves in there, yeah. how you kind of become dependent on making sure that you hit those goals, which is yeah. fantastic. The only challenge is if you don't really feel like doing something that day, right? You kind of feel guilted into kind of doing it. So we've heard yeah. stories of people like that are marching on the spot to get their steps at the end of their bed before the end of the night. So Shaking they hit their, their arm. <laughs> right. And so, so that's pretty crazy that from a behavioral standpoint, that that becomes our, our reason for exercise. And so um, what my, with big fitness trackers like that, that kind of focus on the end game or the end goal, what we've done at seven movements, which is a company I started in Canada, we decided that, well, it's more important because the data suggests it's more important that you move over smaller doses more frequently throughout the day than if you yeah. did one big one at the end of the day and you've been sedentary all day long. Yeah. So, so at seven movements, we create specific strategies driven to change an outcome. So the programming is all driven around a particular outcome, but we do it in seven minutes. Okay. And so you do one movement for one minute over seven minutes or seven different movements, and they're driven in micro doses. And so what we did is we, we captured a completely different market. We captured the market of, you know, the 85% that don't exercise at all. Yeah. Right? And said to them, if you're in a sedentary environment, we're going to have you do this program for seven minutes at a time and prescribe it three to four times a day. And that actually changes your health outcomes. And so all the research is supporting that those people that are more do smaller bouts more frequently throughout the day end up with better long-term health outcomes than the person that goes three hours a week to a gym or a personal trainer and works their ass off for an, mm -hmm. for an hour and then they're sitting back on their butt. Guess what? Yeah. That person has the same long-term health outcomes as a sedentary couch potato. Yeah. So we said That's we need to shift our model. We need to shift our model. So we've been blowing up in seven with seven movements right now. In fact, last um, a week, two weeks ago, we were selected by um, an organization called Prescription to Get Active to be the first prescriptive exercise pill, if you will, or movement pill that will be prescribed by physicians directly to um, their patients that have some sort of health outcome that they need to be changed. Yeah. So if you have diabetes or heart disease yeah. or just high cholesterol, you have an option. You could take Lipitor or you could take seven movements. Yeah. And so we're aiming to have, their goal is to have a million prescriptions in the next three years handed out of seven wow. movements. So it's going to be, it's fantastic. And so yeah. we've developed a program where it's a, it's a Kickstarter program. It's basically driven around behavior change. And yep. it's driven around us just getting people moving just a tiny little bit in what we're terming microdosing. So we're microdosing a prescription of movement, just like you would open up the pill. You're not going to take the whole thing yeah. of pills like you would if you went and saw a personal trainer the first time. You're just going to take one little microdose and we're going to do it frequently throughout the day and attach behavior to it so that people now are starting to have a consumable option of movement that they could do anywhere and, and we've done it through digital it? yeah and we did it digital so you're not live with somebody in fact you just press play and you just follow me along it's monkey see monkey do so you yeah. just watch me move and you just mirror is it live is it live or is there an option for live or it's just pre-recorded 
we have an option that's going to be available where people have the ability to become a seven movements coach. And yeah. then now you become a health coach with us that attaches to that program. So let's say that you've enrolled in that program, but you need ongoing support and ongoing coaching. Then yeah. you enroll with one of our seven movement coaches. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, do you know what the, the micro dosing, I love the way you called it micro dosing. Um, the, the mini sessions as we called them before, I think that yep. there is a future in that. Um, I had right. Anna Woods on here. She's the founder of She Strengths and they focus a lot on online. She's been doing it for about four years and she just mentioned that the kind of the, the mums that she was working with just didn't have time to do an hour workout. So it was a 20 minute strength workout in the morning, something at lunchtime, something in the evening. Even myself and Harry, you know, our fitness slots within the studio are 30 minutes long. That only came about because we were doing 10 sessions back to back and we literally only had time, me and Harry, to do 30 minute sessions. And we were like, well, if it's good enough for us, you know, but I love that the element of the micro dosing of seven minutes, certain movements, it's brilliant brilliant yeah thank you and how yeah, can trainers find more about that to, anyway yeah they can go to www.sevenmovements.com so you're all written out yeah. like normal english no abbreviations yeah. like we do nowadays um yeah. so yeah just go to that website and you can check it out and then um we're gonna each one of our programs is a paid for program so instead of you just getting a membership access you actually yeah. purchase the program and then they follow along with the program. But as the program is rolled out, we did it in a learning content management um, system. So gotcha. people will be getting, it's like them taking a course. So yeah. we're going to take you, a, take you through a course on how to be healthy. Yeah. And so we, we're calling it Operation Get Healthier. Yeah. And so the whole thing is driven over the course of a year. You're going to go through four phases over that year of getting healthier. Yeah. But in addition to that, we have other programs that are more driven towards specific environments, such as returning to work. So coming mm -hmm. off of an injury at work, uh, working with um, particular physical therapy, um, physical therapists and programs driven around physical therapy yeah. for return to work, as well as for conditions. We have a, a mom's program as well. So for new moms, yeah. so we have a program already driven that way. And then the other part is just age we call it age proof your body. So those people that yeah. are over 55 years old that need to become functional and, and um, have preventative approaches to mm -hmm. long-term aging so that they can be healthy for a longer part of their life. So yeah, those are some of the programs that we're rounding out right now. And we have more that we're building and, and it's pretty exciting because there's so many opportunities that are being thrown at us that we're constantly programming and building and filming and trying to catch up and have all these yeah. products ready to go. Yeah. And so I guess just lastly on the Singapore and the kind of the, the government, cause you're, you know, you've yeah. literally been dealing with a government level side of things, you know, do you, or have you um, seen anything that you think, you know, that the fitness professional could be looking at and whether it's behavior change, you know, Anything that you've seen from Singapore that could potentially help us as fitness professionals guide us through the next kind of 12 months while this pandemic's on? The one thing that I would say that, um, and I, was, I wasn't over in Singapore doing as much as some of our other colleagues at IOM, but some mm -hmm. of the information that was reported back to us was that everything is really culturally um, driven and customized. 
So yeah. in the case of uh, the folks in Singapore, they're very good at wanting to do multiple things and, and take on a big load. They are a, a group of amazing citizens that, you know, for a country that's only an island that's only 40 kilometers by 20 kilometers, there's lots mm. of people that live there and they yeah. have tremendous infrastructure and a tremendous country and, and just a beautiful country. So they'll, yeah. they'll make changes really quickly. Uh, if they see that it's going to benefit the entire country. So the, the cool part about it is that there's always a group of people that will be driven towards fitness, but mm -hmm. then we need to create accessibility for those people that don't like fitness. So yeah. our, the goal has always been, how do we take all these people and get them into doing more movement-based things that they really love? And so yeah. if that means building a park that would allow them to come out of the high rises that they live in and come and do mm. some Tai Chi or some, um, yeah. um, uh, just meditation or yoga and things like that, mm. that's a great start. So what they started doing is adding technology into the infrastructure. And so what was really neat is they would have a walking path around a nice park and then it would have a post with a QR code on it that you could scan your phone to, and it would take you right on your phone through some movements that you could do at that particular post. Okay, so those are some that, neat ways yeah. that they're kind of integrating digital offerings mm. into a health ecosystem. The yeah. other one that was really cool is um, one of the folks that oversees Active Singapore. He helped create a digital wallet, which would allow you to basically have your wallet in your phone and then yeah. you would when you went to the grocery store you would just scan your wallet on there and then you would get rebates for all the healthy food that you ate right and really? then those rebates would basically aggregate into a total on here that you could use to pay your utility bills with yeah yeah maybe. right so you're being more proactive at all the health preventative stuff that gives you rewards to be able to pay for all the other things that you need. Now in Singapore, yeah. that's great because it's all run by the government. It's not privatized. So it's easier mm -hmm. to be able to do stuff like that. But it was the thought, right? The thought process that, I, that they'd be able to ideate a way to have greater incentive for people to take their own health really seriously. And I yeah. think that's where the rest of the world needs to get to is because we've, we're now going to have to take care of the, the baby boomer generation. Yeah. yeah. And so if fitness professionals really want to get into a working with a group of people, it needs to be with the active older adult population. And so that's yeah, where yeah, I would, yeah. I would sense that if you're really looking for an environment of people that are going to really love to get active and be healthy again, First, learn how to create movement for those folks. Yeah. Do it, do it in shorter bursts, right? Yeah. And teach them how to be more functional for longer periods of time in their life. And we yeah. created the education for that at Institute of Motion. So you can learn on how to look at the lens through health coaching instead of the lens of uh, fitness. Yeah. And then we've also created the programming for the end consumer market with seven movements. So yeah. it's been an interesting time. Um, because I think COVID has accelerated our perspective on what is possible for us in this industry. Okay. And instead yeah. of being pulled down by the reins of, well, I don't know if I'll have a, uh, an opportunity to work anymore. There's more opportunity out there than ever before.
No, yeah, I totally agree. I think the main thing that you've kind of touched upon um, as we're kind of going to wrap it up is the retention side of things. You know, if, even, if, even though that was done at a government level, you listening to this, can you incentivize your clients if they've done their steps for the week? If they've done three sessions with you that week, do they get another one free? Do you go with them to get the shopping? You know, it doesn't need to be necessarily them paying for their electricity bill, right? We can do more. And as we give more, the retention will, will, will kind of stay. And also asking, you know, letting your service, you know, show how good you are. And then obviously getting the referrals um, going. But cool. No, John, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, how's the rest of your week looking? Are you kind of busy? I'm guessing you're probably busy. <laughs> What do we got? I don't even know what day it is anymore. What, okay, it's <laughs> Thursday. So yeah. on Thursday, yeah, I got some coaching today. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, while well, it'll be really late for you guys, um, yeah. we'll have to do an early happy hour. But uh, Dan and I, my partner at Seven Movements, we do a happy hour at 7 p.m. Eastern. You guys would already be in bed, unless you're really having a happy hour. Yeah, right? uh, well, but, there'll be some of us up. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are, jump on in with us. We do uh, uh, do it on Facebook Live. Uh, it's on our Seven Movements page. And we just, we have a beer or a couple beer, and we talk basically around things in the industry and what we're yeah. doing at Seven Movements and then what other people are experiencing uh, around the world to do with movements. So we do that um, every couple of weeks. So we're doing that this Friday. And then, uh, yeah, this weekend is actually looking pretty open, which will be the first one. I've only had one day off from coaching since March, March 15th. So it's been yeah. crazy. Okay. Well, then, last question um, before we head off. There's a trainer sat there listening to this now, um, and it's still, you know, eight weeks on, is a bit kind of, you know, not sure what to do, what would be the first thing you would say to that trainer to kind of literally get up and start training someone? Uh, the first thing I would do is make contact with all of your people that you've been in contact with, with your clients, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable, you know, and say, hey, look, I'm trying to jump into a new medium of coaching people online. Would you like to try it with me? Right? Yeah. Try it out. If you like it, you see value in it we could continue the same, same programming that we've always done just on this medium, but don't feel like you can't go out and reach out to these people. This is yeah. a relationship that you had with them, right? They're your friends. They're people that as much as you care about them, they care about you too. And so yeah. reach out to them, let them know how you're doing and let them know that, Hey, I've got an opportunity where I think I can continue to coach you. Would you yeah. like to give it a shot? Awesome. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining me. Uh, and all, as always, we'll share a whiskey soon. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks, John.